Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, I am excited to share with you today. Got some exciting things. Some things that I'm going to be sharing you've heard me say before. Um, there's going to be some fresh revelation that's going to come forth. There's going to be some fresh ways of tying some of this together. Praise God, but, uh, um, you know, we have come to realize that, um, you know, I, I've said this many times, I really came into um, even though, how do I say this, even though I was born again at the age of seven, um, I really began a serious walk with the Lord in the um, late 70s, early 80s. Um, and, you know, I, there's, a, there's a lot of things I, I learned, you know, uh, um, about how we were doing church at that time. I think is a good way for me to for me to get to what I want to share with you, but uh, you know, I began to look at how we were doing church, and you know, being a um, I liked '80s church. Let me just say it that way. I, I liked '80s church. Um, you know, but. You know how old I am, but uh, uh, but you know I, I came to realize that the '80s are gone. It took me about 20 years to realize that, but uh, but you know I, I came to realize that the '80s are gone, and they're not coming back. Praise God! And somebody said, "Thank you, Jesus." Uh, but you know we. We did things, but I, I find that many times in church, we try to hang on to stuff that instead of advancing and moving forward with, with what God is doing, we try to hang on to the way things were in the, in the past. And usually at the point in your life, when you came to a serious relationship with God, that's usually where you tend to have a tendency to, to plug up and say, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, for me, that was late 70s, early 80s. 
So that's what I connected with. And, uh, you know, and, and so I would have been perfectly content if we could have just stayed in the 80s. But we moved on. Time moved on. God is doing things in a fresh, new way. And we got to realize this. God has never run out of ideas. Praise God. He's never run out of ideas. And furthermore, he told us all the way through the Bible about things that were to come. Things that were to come. You know, and, and, and so the, the, thing, the place that we find ourselves in today, if we want to be effective as a church, we've got to learn to plug up to the 2020s. Not to the 1980s, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna learn how to connect and how to plug up and how to advance toward the 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 plan of God. You see, He's had a plan for the ages, and uh, you know we thought we were cutting edge back then, and we were back then. But if we're stuck in the 80s, we're not cutting edge anymore, you know. And so uh, we're going to talk about doing church different. And some of you have heard me teach on uh, the seven mountains of influence. And uh, so this is kind of a... Um, a, a further, deeper revelation of that, but I want us to uh, to look. You say, well, what are the seven mountains? Well, if you missed the, the teaching back then when I taught on seven mountains of influence, how many remember when we had the, the, the big round uh, signs hanging around the sanctuary here? How many remember that? And you, you remember that, you know, they talked about the mountain of education, the mountain of government, the mountain of... of uh, arts and entertainment and, you know, there's seven mountains of influence and this really came from a, 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 um, a revelation that um, God gave a number of years ago uh, two gentlemen that uh, uh, men of God, one by the name of Bill Bright and one by the name of Lauren Cunningham and they were set to, to meet and have lunch together on a certain day, and the night before they were to meet and have lunch, they were praying for each other, you know, and, and um, in their own respective places. And uh, God gave both of them the same word to give to the other one. Isn't it just like God? He gives He gives a word, but He gives it two people in two separate locations so that they can give a word of confirmation to the other. Praise God. And the word was that there are seven mountains of influence that, um, that we have to, if we're going to reach our world, that we've got to impact these seven mountains. And uh, these seven mountains affect every person that has ever been born on this planet. You know, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what's your background. These seven things have an effect on your life. 
And uh, I mean, some of them more so than others, but, but they all have an impact or an effect on your life. And we're going to be referring to these as seven impact points or seven impacts. And uh, although in the course of this, you may hear me talk about nations, mountains, or pillars even, uh, as, as some have, have referred to this. But uh, um, these seven things that uh, for our purposes, we're going to primarily be talking, they're all going to mean the same thing. If I say mountains, if I say uh, impacts, if I say points of influence, if I say you, you understand that I'm talking about the same thing, okay? And, and those are spirituality. Everybody's affected by it, you know? Even atheists are affected by spirituality. Uh, you know, they, they may not believe it exists, but they're affected by it nonetheless. Uh, the mountain or the, the impact of government, we all have that impact in our life. Um, family, everybody's got one or had one or, you know, you came from one. Somehow there was a family involved in you being here. Praise God. Uh, and uh, media is another one. Media, we could say it this way, reporting. Reporting, this is how you get information. That's what, that's what media is. Media doesn't necessarily just refer to social media or to uh, news media, you know, on television or newspapers, but it refers to the exchange of information. And uh, that's really what this is dealing with. Then there's the one of celebration. How many know that God does celebration right? Praise God. God knows something about celebration. And people of God, above all people of the earth, ought to know something about celebrating. Praise God. Praise God. And then economy. Well, you know, even if you had no money, you, there would be something, some means of exchange, you know, to to exchange with one another, even before, you know, let's, let's take a nation that doesn't, if there actually is one that still exists, uh, that doesn't have a monetary system. They, they still have some means of exchanging for goods and services and, 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 and things of that nature. So economy affects everyone. Praise God. And then the last one is education. Well, you know, uh, they say that children learn more in the first three years of their life than their entire life, the rest of their life all put together. And, you know, so education is, is huge. And I want to encourage you, don't ever stop learning. Praise God. Never stop learning. Praise God. And so we're going to begin to talk about this, and we're going to begin to see that God has a plan for us to impact all of these seven or, or have uh, a, a, an impact into each of these seven points of impact. Um, and so in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number nine, Jesus said this. 
His disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus, in response to their uh, request, he said, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, one of the very first things that he said here, and I, I have actually in the last uh, few weeks I've uh, alluded to this, but he said, pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so another uh, way that we could refer to these seven impacts is seven kingdoms. Seven kingdoms or seven uh, uh, rules or, uh, you know, and, and he said your kingdom come, your way of doing things, your way of, of governing, your way of uh, uh, of. Uh, of dealing with with things there there is a way that things are done in heaven and God wants things to be done on earth the way they are done in heaven praise God praise God and you know we could do some some very obvious comparisons you know to to the way things are in heaven as compared to the way things are on earth and how many know that just because Something is the will of God doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get done on earth. This is why he said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to, to uh, begin to transform our society and our culture and bring the rule of heaven to this earth. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the trouble is, and we're talking about doing church different, the trouble is that the church has had this mentality of, you know, we used to sing, uh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. You know. And, and that was our vision. That was our vision for, for church is will get everybody ready to go to heaven. And much of that, uh, you know, that, that is still a lingering, you know, it's, it's been all about when is Jesus going to come back. And, you know, I've said this, that we sometimes get more, we're, sometimes we're more interested in God's calendar than we are in God's commission. We're more interested in, you know, and our, our mentality has been just to hang on just a little bit longer because Jesus is coming back. Do I believe Jesus is coming back? Yes, I do believe Jesus is coming back. After all, you know, when Jesus went back to heaven... The angels appeared and, he, and told the disciples, he said, this same Jesus that you see taken up into heaven, you see him going away, this same Jesus is coming back again in like manner. 
as you see him go away. You know, Jesus is coming back. He said he would come back and receive us unto himself so that where he is there we may be also. But we have a job to do and we have been so focused on the fact that Jesus is coming back that we forgot to do what he left us here to do. We forgot to carry on, and he said this. He says, occupy until I come. He said, be busy doing something. I have a task for you. I have a job for you, and I want you to be occupied with doing what I've given you to do instead of just being occupied with the fact that I'm coming back. Praise God. Praise God. You see, if we'll get busy doing what he left us here to do, we'll be ready when he comes back. And we've been so busy trying to get ready for him to come back that, that when he comes back, if, if he were to come back today, he would find that we haven't done what he left us here to do. We're not ready for him to come back. I don't mean you're not saved. When I, when, you know, I know that in, in the circles I came up in, if we said you're not ready for Jesus to come back, that meant you weren't saved and you were not going to go to heaven. That's what that meant. But when I say that, now what I mean is not that, that you know, when I say we're not ready for him to come back, means that we haven't got the job done that he left us to do. Praise God. It doesn't mean we won't go to heaven. It just means that he left us here with a specific purpose and a specific call and a specific plan to carry out, and we have not got that done. Praise God. But most of that has been because we haven't understood what the plan is. And so here he's, you know, he says, pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we thought as a church that our job was to fill our chairs with them being people from the outside. We thought that our job was to fill the chairs with them, but in reality, the job he left for us to do is to fill the earth with him. So I'm going to say that in a, in a little phrase that you can remember and commit this to, to, to your thought processes. We thought our job was to fill our chairs with them when in reality our job is to fill the earth with him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, these seven... I need to refer to them as mountains, even though we're calling them uh, points of impact, but I, I've got to refer to them as mountains because I don't know any other way to do this, okay? So, so bear with me here. You know, in, in order for us, you know, we've got these seven mountains or seven impacts, these seven influences, and we thought that the one called spirituality, that one's ours. 
And, you know, and that, that's a reasonable assumption. However, the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness therein. Not just, you know, we build four walls and we come inside and we say, this one's our mountain. We build these four walls. This is our impact. This is how we impact the world. And when people come into the church, what we have done is we have taught them this is how you function in church. And we have neglected to teach them how to function when they leave church. We've told them, we said, this is, you know, you, you come into church, we, we greet one another, we bring the lights down, we bring the music up, we play praise and worship, and then we, you know, do some announcements and take up the offering, and then we have preaching, and then we go home. And, you know, and, and whatever your place is, you know, you need to have a place of service. And when we said people need to have a, you need to have a place to serve, we meant serve in the church. But you see, there is so much more. That's only one out of seven. The church, spirituality, that's only one of seven. Praise God. And I'm going to show you the significance of that one and the importance of that one today. But I want you to realize that's only one of seven. There are seven of these, and we have set the church right in the middle, and we have built big buildings, beautiful buildings. We have said, come to our mountain. Come to our place of, this is how we impact the world, what goes on inside of here. This is how we impact the world. And you see, we've, we've failed to impact the other mountains, and so that the, uh, the world, the, the people on the other mountain, they've gotten so accustomed to us functioning inside our mountain, inside our point of impact, we've, they've gotten so accustomed to that that they say, you just stay in there. That works out real good. You just stay inside your four walls and you leave us alone and, you know, and everything's good. You don't bother us and we won't bother you. But how many know we're never going to reach the world that way? How many know we're not going to fulfill the commission that the Lord Jesus gave us if we stay inside four walls? Now, there's been a, there, there's been a, a, a saying which I, I actually despise this saying, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But, and it's not that it's not true. It is true, but it's been misused and misunderstood. And I hear people saying, well, you know, we don't go to church. We are the church. And then another one that goes along with that is, well, the church is not a building. It's people. Now, that has been, those two statements have been used by people who have become disgruntled in church. 
And they say, because we've become disgruntled, well, we, we don't go to church. We are the church. And I actually have one person say, uh, you know, I don't go to church. I am the church. And I said, that is a, that is a flat-out lie. You are not the church. Why? Because the Bible clearly says that the church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And then in another place it says the body is not one member but many. So you by yourself are not the church. You by yourself may, are a member of the church, but you are not the church in and of and by yourself. Praise God. And so we've got the, the church is a body, and if the body were one member, you know, if the whole body were an ear, where would the seeing be? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? See, because we're not one member but many. Praise God. Praise God. And the hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. The head, Scripture says this. It says, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, The head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. Who's the head? Jesus is the head. Jesus himself does not say to the feet, I don't need you. Praise God. Now, Jesus didn't even say, Go into all the world and invite them to come to your mountain. Jesus said, go teach them. He said, make disciples of all nations. Now, if we could do one thing it would be get as many people to heaven as possible. I'll give you that. You know, that's the most important thing. If we can keep people out of hell, we've done a great thing. But that's not all there is to it. And I'm telling you that if we'll learn to do things the way God intended for us to do things, to do church, we would be more effective at keeping people out of hell. We keep more people out of hell. You see, because, you know, there are some things that have to work together. You know, you don't just need food. You need food and water. You don't just need water. You need food and water. You got to have both. Praise God. How many know that we can do more than one thing at a time? Praise God. And one of the things we need to learn to do that we have not done, we said we're going to get people to go to heaven, and, but we neglect everything else. You know, if, if we truly go and teach people like Jesus intended for us to teach people. You know, there, there is a whole lot of the Bible that we haven't taught because we thought all we're trying to do is get them to go to heaven. 
But you see, we haven't taught people how to function once they walk out the doors. What percentage of your life do you spend inside the church building? What percentage of your life do you spend around the body, the church body, around believers? You know, what percentage of your life do you spend here? But how much of your life do you spend at work? How much of your life did you spend at school? How much of your life do you spend in recreation? How much of your life do you spend? You know, we could go to each one of these. How much of our life do we spend outside of these walls doing something else? But did you realize that even when you're doing something that is not considered church activity, you are still to, to, to function with the influence of, that God has on your life. It is to affect every, the way you do things. How many know that we would be a whole lot better off if Washington functioned by godly principles? How many know that we would be much better off if the entertainment industry functioned according to godly principles? You know, we can take every one of these and we would be better off in economy. How many know that we would be much better off if business operated according to godly principles? But yet people come and sit in church and they sing hallelujah and they shout amen and they raise their hands and they worship and they praise the Lord and they walk out and never do they think about it again until next Sunday. And they go on with their life and they live their life and they function in, their, in whatever mountain or, or, or impact that they are functioning in. They function in that just like the world does, just like unbelievers do. Because we don't teach them how to function out there. You know, the only thing we've told them about how to function out there is, you know, be honest and watch your language. And that's about all we've told people about how to function out there. Most, you know, when we uh, think about this, what if there is a gifted businessman? He's, he's gifted to operate in the impact of economy. He's gifted and talented at making money. And he makes a lot of money. So when he comes to church and he accepts Jesus as his Savior, we think because he's a gifted businessman, that means we need to put him on the church board. We think that's what that means. Because whatever gift he has, the only place for it to operate is inside the church, right? Right? 
You know, I mean, that's, that's what we, that's, that's the mentality that we've had. And the only place that his gift gives glory to God is if it's done within the church. That's what we thought. But what if that businessman, what if he comes to church? Now, I, I do believe that Christians ought to in some way serve in their church. Okay? I, I believe that's a healthy thing. But what if that gifted businessman, when he comes to church, what if he wants to serve in the nursery? Is that okay? Does he, does he have to be on the church board? You know, maybe, maybe he wants to serve in the nursery. Praise God. What if, you know, we have thought, you know, but, but this, this businessman, he goes out of the church and he goes to his business and he makes a lot of money and he serves his church by bringing the tithe into the storehouse. How many know that's important? Praise God. Praise God. But see, we've, we've looked at people like that. And most of the church has no idea how much a person gives. You know, you don't know how much the person sitting next to you gives in church. And you, you have no reason to know. But we look at that person, well, they don't ever do anything in the church. You see, and we think that they're not doing anything for the kingdom of God because they didn't show up on work day. But we don't know that they paid for all the supplies to do work day. See, we just got things all messed up in our, in our mind and our way of doing things. What if, you know, we have a person that is uh, in education? Maybe they're, they're a great teacher. Maybe they have received awards from the state for being the teacher of the year, teacher of the, uh, of the month. Maybe they've, they've uh, uh, have fresh, innovative ways of educating and teaching and, and students that, you know, well, they've come into church and they've accepted Jesus as their Savior, so now they're supposed to serve in children's church. Or youth ministry. But what if they just want to be a greeter? Is that okay? You know? But what if that person, when they go outside these doors, they go to their school and they teach your children in a way and they get through to them on an educational level that nobody else has ever done. And your children who hated math, now they love math 
because of this gifted, godly teacher that has innovative ways to teach math. Is that still functioning in the kingdom of God? Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, we think that maybe a person is a musician. Well, that means they're supposed to be on the worship team, right? Not necessarily. You know, I was talking to, to Jason about this the other day, and he was telling me of two uh, musicians that he knows that, that uh, um, you know, made their living playing music, writing music, and uh, this kind of thing. And actually, both of them happen to be worship leaders right now. Uh, but but for, for years, they toured and did, played music in, in touring groups and, and, and this kind of thing. But they wanted to come to church and not play music. They wanted to sit down and worship the Lord and learn when they happened to be in town and were able to go to church. But they had trouble finding churches to go to because all the churches wanted them to be on the worship team. You see, we, we've mixed some things up. We've, we've misunderstood some things. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In Matthew's account of this, I want you to notice the difference in what Matthew says how he says it. He's relating the very same conversation that, that the Lord had with his disciples that Mark was talking about. But here, Matthew records it this way. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? All authority. Now, he goes on and he says, Go... Therefore, in other words, I am giving you the authority. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." He said, go and teach them all the stuff I taught you. That's not just how to get to heaven. That's not just how to serve within the confines of the local church. Praise God. He said, teach them all the things I commanded you. Praise God. Do you know Jesus didn't just teach us how to function in church? He taught us a whole lot about life. He talked more about money than he talked about anything else. 
and read, read Jesus' teachings. You'll find that out. He talked a lot about money. Now, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, look at this, verse number 8. Jesus was being tempted to the devil in the wilderness for 40 days. And the Bible tells us that when, when those 40 days, that 40 day of fasting, and it says when that had ended, that Satan came to him and he began to tempt him. And we read of three temptations. And if you study out those three temptations, you'll find that those three temptations cover every way that you and I are tempted. I mean, they, they cover it all in, in principle. But, but notice here that the third of the three temptations in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, what did Adam lose when he fell? Adam lost authority. And so Jesus came into this world to get authority back. Praise God. He didn't come into this world just to get people to heaven. Now, there's something, he, God, when, when Adam fell, God didn't just abandon earth, as in earth is no longer in his plans. You know, he doesn't have a plan for earth anymore because Adam fell. No, God never abandoned what he wanted for earth. And what did he say to Adam when he created him? He said, have dominion over the birds and the fish and everything that creeps on the earth and over all the earth. You have dominion. You have authority. Adam lost man's authority. And so Jesus came into this world not just to get people to heaven, but he came into this world to gain authority back. And so in Matthew account of this, he says to his disciples, he says, all authority has been given to me. This was after he rose from the dead. So here in Matthew 4, he took him up on a seemingly high mountain. He said, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus came after the authority. Satan knew what he was here to get because he knew what Adam lost. So he knew what Jesus was here to get, and he said, I will give it to you. It's been given to me. Now, yes, I know the devil is a liar. 
and there's no truth in him. But that was actually a true statement. Do you think that Jesus would have been tempted by a lie? If he had said, all the authority's been given to me, and Jesus said, no, it hasn't, we couldn't have called that a temptation. But Jesus knew that that was a true statement. He knew that all the authority had been given to Satan. And so he said, you know, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. Well, Jesus says, I'm going to get it anyway because I'm going to defeat you on your own turf. He says, you know, the devil's saying, well, if you just worship me, it'll be a whole lot easier, you know. In order for you to get this authority back, you're going to have to go to hell. You're going to have to descend into the lower parts of the earth. You're going to have to be nailed to a cross. And this is what it's going to cost you for you to get it back. He said, I'll make it a whole lot easier. You just bow down and worship me, and I'll give it to you. Now, that's where the lie come in. He wouldn't have given it to him anyway. But, uh, but you see, Jesus was actually tempted by that statement. The Bible calls that a temptation. He was actually tempted by that statement. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. Because that's what Jesus was after. That's what he came here to get. He came here to get back the authority. So he goes to the cross. He dies on the cross. He descends into hell. He raises, he's raised again from the dead. And he goes to his disciples before he goes back to heaven. And he says this, all authority has now been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now you go and make disciples of all nations. Praise God. Go and use the authority that I have given you. Yes, casting out devils is an important part of that. Yes, laying hands on the sick and they recover is an important part of that. Yes, speaking with new tongues is an important part of that. You see, it, that, that, that's all an important part of that, but that's not all there is to it. We forgot to take into account that Jesus said, teach them all things that I taught you. Praise God. Now, in Haggai, chapter 2, verse number 6, prophet Haggai, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is just a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come, they being the nations. He says, they shall come to the desire of all nations. What's the desire of all nations? The desire of all nations is us. The desire of all nations, you know, it was speaking of the, the nation of Israel because God had, had blessed them and put his hand upon them and said, you're my people. You're the desire of all nations because of our relationship. But as, as, a, as a 
New Testament body of believers, we're also the desire of all nations. Praise God. Because of our relationship with Him. Although all nations have not been desiring to be like us. It's because we haven't been what He intended for us to be. We haven't done what He intended for us to do. But here Haggai says, they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory. I've been telling you that we are about to see an outbreak of the glory of the Lord on planet earth. It is because we are figuring out who we are. And I am running way out of time this morning. So actually, I'm going to bring this back at the end of February. All right, we've got some other things in between now and then. But I'm going to bring this back in February, and I'm going to show you how that the timing on this for the outbreak of the glory of the Lord was also in Scripture. Why it's now. Why, why, why 2021? Why now? And I'm going to show you that the timing on this is in Scripture and why I can boldly and confidently say that we are about to experience an outbreak of the glory of the Lord on planet Earth. Because we are figuring out that Jesus meant more than when we all get to heaven. Jesus intends for us, the, his body, to fill the earth. We are the body of Christ. We are the fullness of him that fills all in all. Praise God. Praise God. And it's about to break forth. And I, I, I'll tell you right now, buckle up because it's coming. You see, there's a lot of things that have been prophesied in Scripture, a lot of things that, that has been promised to the people of God that we have yet to see. We saw a taste of it right after Jesus went back to heaven. We, we saw just a little taste of it for a very brief period of time. But it's about to break forth on this earth, and there is going to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God like planet earth has never yet seen before. Praise God. Praise God. So, you know, look at your hands. Say there's healing anointing in these hands. Praise God. Praise God. Begin to, begin to say, point yourself in the mirror and say, you are anointed of God to make money. You're anointed of God to rise to the top on whichever one of these seven mountains that you function in. You are anointed of God to rise to the top. 
Now, I, I can't quit real quick, but pretty quick, okay? Because I, I have to give you just something to, 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 to go with and to hang on to. Haggai chapter 2, verse number 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they will come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, is mine. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, some say, well, that was a prophecy for Israel. But one thing I've learned about prophecy is it can be fulfilled more than once. Praise God. And it's about to be fulfilled in our day. Praise God. Praise God. And I got to stop. I don't want to, but I have to. Praise God. Because there is so much that God has been filling my heart with that you need to get a hold of. Praise God. Church is about to be different. Praise God. Praise God. And our number one job is, is still to rescue people from hell. That's, that's number one. I'm, I'm not trying to take the place of that. I'm not saying this is more important. I'm saying this will help us get number one done. Praise God. Maybe we haven't got number one done because we haven't understood this other stuff. Praise God. But you see, if you're watching today, maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online, and you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm inviting you to jump on because the glory of the Lord is about to fill the earth, and you want to be on the right side of this thing. Praise God. Jesus came to this earth. He went to a cross. He paid for your sins so that you would not have to pay for them. There is a penalty for sin. And those who refuse to accept the payment on their behalf, the payment that was made on their behalf, will spend eternity in hell. But I'm here to tell you there is not one single one of you that has to go to hell. Not one of you. Because Jesus has already paid the penalty in full. He shed his blood to pay for your sins. And if you believe that, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. I want everyone actually to pray this. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You would be saved. Praise God. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So right now, I want everyone to pray this. And if you pray this and you mean this, 
then according to God's word, you will be saved. If you don't mean what you're saying, nothing will happen. But if you mean this, according to God's word, you will be saved. Praise God. You will pass from death unto life. You will have a new destination when this life is over to be with the Lord, not hell. Praise God. And it is all based upon a decision that you make to choose Jesus. So pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins, and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Right now, I choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. I receive your gift of salvation and your gift of righteousness. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.